0: This episode was brought to you by Kimberly Clark Corporation. Poise by Kimberly Clark is the number one household leader in light-end feminine care products and is the only brand in the category driving household growth. Poise's consumer-focused approach centered on comfort, protection, and sustainability makes it a leader in repeat customers, loyalty, and annual buy rates. Plus, Poise is the undisputed leader in sales, contributing 60% of overall growth in the category. If all of this tells us one thing, it's that Poise is the brand for light end customers. Thank you to Kimberly Clark for sponsoring CGA radio. All right. This is so weird. I mean, it's like reversal. I know it is here. We're, we're turning the tables on you. <laughs> it's so strange.
1: I I'm sure. Though.
0: I know we're excited. So good morning everyone. Welcome to CGA radio. I'm your host, Grace Becker, and I'm here with Todd Linsky from Todd Linsky Consulting. He is the principal and owner. So good morning, Todd.
1: Good morning. Back at you, Grace. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here and chit chat with you today. I'm stoked to hang out with you.
0: Me too. And Todd and I were just talking about how usually the roles are reversed because he has a show as well. Todd Versations as you may have seen so it's it's fun for me to be able to interview him for a change
1: <laughs> yeah it is it's weird it's it's uh you know it's weird to be here in the studio and, and it's like i'm going backwards
0: yes a little <laughs> a machine. little switch it's a time up machine
1: i love it though it's just such a great opportunity and so uh pleased to be invited to hang out with you and so impressed with the work that you guys are doing and being able to be a part of that and be a part of what you guys are about so it's really cool for me to be here so again thank you for the opportunity
0: yes thank you todd so Let's just start off. Would you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your background and how TLC came to be?
1: Yeah, for sure. No, I've been in the produce space now coming up on 40 years. Um, When I started, uh, I started as a night manager in a natural food store in San Diego. The produce department was a complete shambles, and I knew nothing about produce. I mean, I knew what an apple was, right? But that was about (laughs) the depth of my knowledge. And so I went to the ownership and said, hey, look, this department's totally screwed up. We're losing our butts on this deal. I can't make it any worse. I can only make it better, right? And so they said, okay, go for it. And 40 years later, here I am standing with you and saying good morning and talking on a podcast about the, <laughs> you know, my, my journey in the industry. But it was such a unique one because you know, starting in retail for a couple of years, I worked on the LA Wholesale Terminal Market where I cut my teeth with a lot of great mentors and a lot of great individuals that influenced me above and beyond even what they think or what they know. And I keep telling him now as we're all getting older, I keep reminding him of that. I'm like, really? I'm like, yeah, no, really, you did. You were a big influence on in my life and, and made me think and do things differently. And then from there, just, um, you know, came up to the ranks. We, we started the very first grower-shipper operation, Organics, way back when at a Moss Landing, just outside of Watsonville. Um, then my journey took me down to Cal Organic Farms back in the day when it was just a slab of dirt and uh, learning how to farm organically. And Rode that ride for a long, long time, building that brand and had a wonderful time. And then Grimway bought the company back in uh, it was 2000, I think it was. I hung out with them there for about 15 more years, having that opportunity and that, that hall pass to go out and build a brand and to get it out there into the ethos and really out about driving consumption of organic produce. And seven years ago, decided to leave that world and uh, started my own consulting company. And now we help companies all around the globe find their voice, work with people in the C-suite, kind of be that person in the room that listens to what they have to say, pushes back a little bit on what they have to say, gets part of the conversation, brings some different perspective. We help teams learn you know, how to sell differently, not be so transactional, believe in relationships are so important in our business and really spend a lot of time doing that and, and uplifting brands and rebranding and just having so much fun trying to put uh, you know positive spin and voice back in the room with a lot of these companies. So I'm really enjoying that. And now we've got this podcast that we launched a year and a half ago because my kid said you should go do this and of course i'm the guy with the vcr that flashes 12 so i'm not i'm <laughs> no help when it comes to podcasting but i thought let's try it so i did i agreed to do five of them fell in love with it after the very first one and you know we're a hundred i don't know 30 episodes deep whatever we are we reach a lot of people and we're really about inspiration and talking about uh you know brands and ideas and the people behind them and what makes it different in our planet how we can uh, come together and realize that food's a very powerful thing and agriculture is a really important thing and they they that intersection of uh, trying to find that uplift is so important. And so that's really what the basis of what we're doing. And now I'm hanging
0: out with you. And now we're hanging out. There you go. Wow. Well, that is a journey. Would you tell me a little bit about what draws you to organics and and the industry in general? I know Mm -hmm. you mentioned how you started off, but
1: yeah, you know, I, I really truthfully knew, you know, again, I knew what an apple was, right? And, and then started getting into it. And organic was a big part of that retailer. When I started, you know, taking over that department and really got into it and wrapped myself around it. And I realized that there was more to that food, um, connective tissue, to say, to that food than there was in others. Like, it, it, it touched me in a different way. And I recognized early on that you know, it's a morals and values decisions in a lot of ways, what organic represents. And so it becomes a lifestyle, It becomes a bigger part. And I think the fact that I started in a real true natural food store, gave me that perspective that I may not have gotten otherwise. Um, And so there's always been that connectivity with me and then having the opportunity to be really at the ground floor of pre, you know, I'll date myself for folks but you know our came out on 60 minutes and that was a big organic revolution that was organic's first 15 minutes of fame and being a part of that and seeing this industry explode and why it became important and working so diligently to open those runways and to keep finding success you know being hung up on i got hung up on probably more than anybody in the organic industry for sure but i also got a lot of yeses and so we built it from that perspective and and So to me, it just seems so natural to be a part of it. And now to be able to talk about this industry from my perspective down to the the younger people and and inspire them a little bit with the why and why we did what we did and how hard it was to do what we did. You know, they walk a really lovely runway right now, but it wasn't like that. I mean, somebody had to start that. And that was a journey. I mean, that was really a lot of fun. So I think the passion's always been there. Um, The drive has been there. And we've had this opportunity to grow from nothing. I mean, literally nothing of a business to Mm. $60 Sixty billion dollars out there today, and and really having market share. So that to me is what motivates me to continue going.
0: Absolutely. So you see yourself like you've mentioned as an uplifter in in that space. That's yeah. That's really that's incredible that they they have a resource like you to to turn to. <laughs> well,
1: and- you know, but well, we spend so much time on the downside, right? And I think those uplifting conversations need a platform, and we need to keep going, right? There's positivity mm-hmm. in every day, right? It's up to it's up to us to find it. And I just come, you know, I I call myself the CEO of my company, but that's really the chief enthusiasm officer, right? Just because I think (laughs) it's so important that we remember that we have an opportunity every day to give something back to people, whether it's a smile, whether it's a hello, or whether it's spending time talking with you and try to inspire other people and uplift that message. Those are all things in our power. And I think it's incredibly important. We recognize that we hold on to that, embrace it and make the best of it.
0: Absolutely. I love that chief enthusiasm officer. I think- that is the way it. to go. I will share okay. with you. All right. All right. Thank you. Done. I
1: give it to you freely.
0: We'll take it. Thank you. So what do you think retailers should know about the organic space right now? Like what is going on that you think everyone needs to know about?
1: Well, it's not going away
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's not slowing down. Um, I mean, granted, the economy is doing what the economy is going to do. But nonetheless, people are more concerned today about their health. I mean, let's face it. You can't come out of this pandemic with the things that we learned. Uh, the core morbidities, all these other things that were talked about without taking a look and say, hey, are there things that I can do myself on a daily basis um, to make a difference in my own life? And I think people have that wake up call and have that, that that kind of an epiphany moment. It's too bad it took a pandemic to get there, but I'm glad, you know, in ways that we're working towards that direction. So I think it's really important that the retailers remember that organics is based upon morals and values. People are coming in to make that decision. Right. They're coming in out of their car specifically in mind to find those products. And I think that that is a really, really great customer. I know that you know one of the things we want to talk about today a little bit. Of, we mentioned is talking about local intent, but you know, mm-hmm. intent's a very big word, and we can get into that whenever. But I think it's really important to remember that people are making a conscientious choice prior to getting to that store. And that's a great customer to have, right? That's a customer you need to work at talking to. That's a customer you need to embrace. That's a customer your retail dietitians need to speak to. That's a customer that your marketing needs to speak to. That's a customer that your signage needs to speak to. And you need to keep uplifting them because they want to spend their money on things that matter to them. Again, back to that morals and values. Mm-hmm. So I think it's incredibly important. I think I think that customer is incredibly valuable to the retail sector.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And especially with, you know, the, the generation coming up who started to grocery shop now that seems to be one of the leading decision makers for them is, is what am I buying that aligns with my beliefs, my, mm-hmm. my system, all of that. So that totally makes sense. And you led a whiteboard session at our CGA strategic conference where you mm-hmm. discuss local intent and you just mentioned it right now. Could mm-hmm. you explain what is local intent? Why is it so important?
1: Yeah, 100%. I love this topic. You know, when I think about the marketplace today, and I think about retail, and I think about the industry itself, you know, intent is a word that I found really unique. And so I threw it behind, you know, the word local, because I seem to think that it fit really, really well. And if you look at intent, by definition, you know, it's something that's intended, an aim or a purpose, right? It's having the mind or a will um, focused on a specific purpose, right? And so... I love the word intent. And I, again, threw it behind the word local because when you think about going to the grocery store now, people, again, back to the organic, what we just talked about, people get out of that car with some level of intent, Mm -hmm. right? My intent to go buy paper towels. I intend to go buy an organic apple. I intend to buy organic, whatever, whatever the commodity might be. So that intent is really, really kind of cool when you think about it. And I think it's a part of capturing kind of that marketing strategy. So, when I think about the word intent, it comes to the in local intent is it's like going shopping with a higher level of consciousness than perhaps another shopper. I'm walking mm-hmm. in to do good. My morals and values, as we talked about, they matter to me. They matter in my purchases. Uh, it's important that a brand aligns with me, right? Because that, again, back to that intent word, I'm helping the environment, perhaps I'm helping the economy. I'm certainly I'm helping my community. Um, so to me, you have this customer, and I think you can use the word intent, you can say regenerative ag intent, you can say sustainable intent. Um, But I think the word local, I find very interesting because it's a word that was really, really popular, that's kind of still out there in the ethos, but it's not as got as much, you know, it's not as much weight behind it as it used to, because there's other attributes out there that are are claiming some limelight, you know, I mean, organic is another attribute. Uh, you know, you can have organic intent, regenerative intent, like I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. So, I, I really think that the word intent is goes back to what we talked about: how people get out of that car with those intentions. And I think it's really important to remember that. You know, it it is interesting to me when you think about what local means today, as well, right? Because 60 years ago, so what said about 70 percent of your food probably came from 100 miles away from where you live. Now, it's you know thousands of miles you know, and I found a statistic and I love this and I share this with people all the time. Back in the 1800s, Iowa produced 100% of the apples that were consumed in the state. And by 1925, that number was down to 50%. And by the year 2000, that thing claimed under 15%. So you can see how the world's expanded. So locals change, right? The definition of local change, there's there's no real definition anyways. But I think the key word behind that, again, is the word intent, that people come in with wanting to do good. And as a I believe that the retailers, and I believe the growers and the shippers as well, need to capitalize on that in their messaging and into their marketing. So to me, intent is just such a great word to think about consumers today, that they have that intent inside their hearts.
0: Absolutely. Wow. Thank you for expanding on that and, and sharing sharing that with us. So you're talking about local brands a lot and, and how they, I mean, better than anyone, they really connect with their, their consumer. And I mean, I know when I go to the store and I see that something's local, I'm so excited to buy it. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm supporting my local economy. I'm supporting local businesses, et cetera. So what do you think can be learned from local brands about building that connection with consumers?
1: Oh yeah. Well, I think you have to go back and think what are, you know, what is a local brand? What is that? to your point What is that consumer connection? What's growing? Well, a people, people know it to your point, you know, what your local brands are. They like it. They mm-hmm. trust it. They feel that emotional connection um, in there. It, it stands for something again, that intent stands for something. Um, it can be an, a vibrant brand. It's unique. It's admirable. I mean, God, there's so many things you can throw with this thing. It feels good to buy that. It feels good to know your, you know, that old thing that the, you know, the USDA came out, which I thought was brilliant. Know your food, know, you know, know your farmer, know your food. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that local brands really can connect for the long game. You know, I, I think they're very, they're very apt to respond to feedback, which, you know, some brands don't. There's some retailers out there you call and complain, or they'll just send you to whoever the problem came from. They're not going to answer you. You know, they're conversational back to their consumers, right? You go to the farmer's market, you talk to your farmer, that translates back. You know, that experience from the farmer's market will translate back into a retailer because they they feel that same connective. People in, you know, some of these local brands, they listen, they follow up. But they really do, I think, in a lot of ways, build trust and loyalty. You know, it, it, they may not be the best looking strawberry at the farmer's market, but they taste great and the story's fantastic. And people look beyond that, right? Because again, right. Of that intent, that connection.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And during the pandemic, mm-hmm. we saw a lot of local brands kind of step up with supply chain issues. And there were a lot of programs with retailers where they were kind of seeking local brands. Um, how how has that affected the local area and and how have companies leaned on? those brands in these, in these rough times?
1: Well, I, I think there's so many variables to that question. I think that, A, I don't think there's a cookie cutter answer to that, because I think it's mm-hmm. going to be effective all over the country. It's going to have a different perspective to that question. But I think what it did was, is that, I think it gave retailers an opportunity to connect on that values and morals level with the local deal than perhaps they felt before. Like, yes, we're going to carry the local Apple, we're gonna have it, it's gonna be here for two months, whatever you know, whatever commodity it might be. And we'll do this and we'll press cider and stuff. But I think that they recognize the value that they had. And I think that that really, in a lot of ways to a lot of brands was reinforced. And I think those relationships had developed. And I think those conversations and changed. I'm a big believer, I teach this, I preach this all the time. We're in a relationship business, right? Produce is so fast and furious, you know, it's perishable. It's, you pick it today, it's bad tomorrow that that connectivity of building those relationships is so much more important than what the POs are. And I think that we learned some of that during the pandemic, that those relationships saved a lot of butts out there. They saved a lot of shelf. They did a lot to increase things. And I think that the fact that those local opportunities were there, and that intent was there to try to do something, I think that helps propel those brands into the future. I mean, I have I have brands now that I work with that, that say that exact story that, you know, this pandemic was great, we've got conversations started that we didn't have before, we matter now, uh, we're having, you know, we're building those relationships. So I think that's a really positive side. But again, I don't think it's just, this is what happened here it may not be there. I think each area has its own kind of levers involved in all that. But nonetheless, I think the concept is there that it, it was certainly uplifting for a lot of folks
0: absolutely and yeah when when things were out of stock you you found yourself turning to brands maybe you hadn't looked at before and learning a little bit more about your community um so it seems like there's a lot of benefits in uh, in partnering with local i agree
1: yeah i don't think i don't think there's a downside and again i go back to what we talked about earlier it's about the intent right you right. have a customer that's coming in right I I, I I there's not a lot of emotional connection with going to buy a paper towel sorry paper towel guys but it's just not right? But there is with your food, there is with an apple, there is with a piece of meat, there is with a piece of fish, there is with you know your milk and things like that. There is a little bit more to it. And I think it's really important that we recognize that that intention, that intent is such a great marketing tool that we need to capitalize on.
0: Absolutely. That makes sense to me. So what do you, what do you forecast for kind of the organic space? Like what, what do you, what's next?
1: Well, I don't think it's going to slow down. I think the economy is going to, is going to force some change i think that you know people are going to trade down um retailers are going to force people to trade down uh, i think they're going to make some decisions for people to trade down um which i find an interesting perspective i don't think it's going to slow down i don't think our health is, is going to uh miraculously change overnight that's going to force everybody. wow we don't need this anymore um and i think you brought something up earlier that i want to come back around is that you know yeah. look the next generation that's out there is is thinking differently about the world than somebody my age their thoughts are much different if you you know i tell people all the time if you haven't spent any time talking to a teenager and figuring out what matters to them or a kid that's in college you know you're not going to be as well rounded unless you have these conversations and it's amazing to me you know I, I i just referencing back to my broadcast i just had some kids on from germany unbelievably unbelievable 15 16 17 years old making ag technology flipping it on its ear basically and doing some really cool stuff. And then I asked the question, you know, about what matters along those lines. And the answer was like, we talk about getting stuff done. We just don't ever do it. And I think that's something to be mindful of. And I think that's something that this next generation is going to demand is that they're tired of the same old thing. They want to make changes and they want to resonate with people that help them elevate those changes, whether it's brand, whether it's a retailer, car company, phone company, it doesn't matter. They're going to lean into that and that pocketbook is going to go with them.
0: Absolutely. So I've heard you talk about on one of your episodes with, Mm -hmm. uh, I I believe it was an organic, it was with an association, an organics association or something. Mm -hmm. I've heard you discuss that there are kind of two avenues that the industry is going in right now. And there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a divide between the approach. Would you touch on that?
1: That's a broad question. Give me more specifics. I mean, you were talking about ag tech. Are we talking about, you know, organics? We give me, give me, You were talking about
0: organics. You were saying Mm -hmm. you use the word splintered. You said, yeah, there are, there are two very different kind of.
1: Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I I do see that. Right. And, and, and I'm going to pay before I say what I'm going to say, I'm going to say this, People that are in the organic space today, if your goal is not to figure out how to feed 9.5 billion people on this planet organic food, then I have to question what's the logic is of what you're trying to do, right? So now I'm going to say that and take that, you know, and I'll take all those crappy emails when they want to send them to. <laughs> I'm happy to answer everyone. We'll forward
0: them. them to you. Yeah, okay. it's not a problem. I'm happy to have
1: them. <laughs> but but I, I I say that because that is not necessarily the intention of this industry, right? There's a part of this industry that wants to see it remain small, elitist not for the masses. There's a part of this industry that wants to embrace technology, feed the masses, change agriculture, you know, which we're going to have to do anyways, because you're running out of topsoil, water is not available. There's all these variables that are a part of it. Right? I'm not going to harp on it. And so you have those that want to stay in one side and those that want to make that side grow, not aligned. And you, know, you can take a look at some of the issues and arguments out there now about agriculture technology, which is really where this is based from. You know, Again, I go back to what I said in the original, how are we gonna feed the world organic food? That's what my goal is. Is it obtainable? Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it's not. But if that's not your goal, if you're not reaching for the stars, what are you reaching for? Right. I always say, you know, if 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 you want to if you want to have high expectations, have low goals, right? Just that you can always, you're always a winner, right? But that's not what we're that's not what we need to be about. And it's not what we should be doing with our food because of all the things we should be valuing, food, our health, and the love for each other are the three big things that need to happen, right? So it is, in my mind, splintered. And there's not this, as I say, sit down with you know a pizza and a six pack of beer and solve these problems. It's just this divide. And it's, we have to be this way, or you have to be this way. And it's not going to work. And what's going to end up happening, and in my opinion, because of it, is that the organic industry is going to lose market share over this. Because there's plenty of good things happening out there that have wonderful attributes that the consumers like. No water, no pesticides, no human hands, grown close to home. All these things you want to talk about, again, Back to what I said earlier about local and that intent, like the locals lost a lot of that shine because there's other attributes that are resonating, resonating with consumers. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really, really important to me that this industry stop we're better than you and this elitist attitude and come together and recognize that a goal should be, which is what we set out 40 years ago. We sat there and I'll never forget sitting there saying, what, what, what do we want to do? We want to feed more people better food. That was the goal. That was one of the hooks for me that kept me into this. I think that needs to be something we need to talk about. So I think it's, it can be very concerning to it's very concerning to me that that we're at this divide and that we are not communicating and I'm very vocal about it because I again come from the perspective of how we're going to feed 9.5 billion people by 2050 organic food. I'm up for that conversation.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that and that's the way to go. Absolutely. Just making it accessible to yeah. to the mass. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Don't go backwards. Don't make it, you know, there's we need to embrace what's happening. And we need to have we need to have people in positions that have leadership, that have power, that have, you know, ways and means to do things and and say, look, how are we going to do this? Right. We get what you're trying to. And look, and this isn't this isn't pro technology, anti dirt. I made my living in the dirt. I love the dirt. We ain't going to get away from the dirt. It's all a part of it, but it all has to come together because it all serves the planet better.
0: Right. You, you just touched on technology a bit. Can you expand a little on the role of technology right now in just the produce space or the organics or
1: yeah, whichever? Well, it, look, there's billions, with the B now, dollars invested into agriculture technology. Everything from robots to drones to, you know, stuff you put into a sprinkler pipe that sings to your plants. I mean, there's all kinds <laughs> of stuff going on out there, and money's coming right and left. Um, and there's gonna be a shakeout in all that too, right? You've seen some of there are some people that are involved in the in the controlled ag space that are, you know, have closed their doors. There's gonna be some consolidation, there's gonna be some failures. But I look at that opportunity out there as, as as much about what they're doing today as what they're doing today teaches them five years from now. And that's what's intriguing to me, which is why I feel like we've got to look at this because you can't be in the state. You know, we're both here in the state of California. You cannot live here, be a part of agriculture and not have a conversation about water. Right? Um, You know, it it just it is what it is. And it's not going to change because we're not doing anything about making the change. It's another one of those things like the kids said, we talk about getting something done, but we don't get it done. you got billions of dollars put aside to make infrastructure changes and we need to just at least go to Home Depot and buy a shovel at this point which we haven't even done
0: (laughs) or some plywood
1: there's something anything (laughs) right buy a bucket anything would help so I I think that that technology and and I I will say too there are some technology out there that are scary as all get out that I can I don't have my head wrapped around like no I'm not into that right I'm I'm all about working with mother nature not trying to be mother nature I think Mm. you take the latter role you're going to get screwed at the end, and so will the planet. So I think we got to stay, in my mind, stay away from that. But again, I think it's about how do we how do we change for the future? How is this generation working hard and diligently um, to make those changes in five years that that perhaps all agricultural embraces, right? And I think that's to me what's super super exciting. Um, it's a tough road that these guys, some of these guys, have taken. I mean, CEA, everybody doing leafy greens—that's a tough business. You know, those guys—they're—they're in a—they're in a, a five ninety nine clamshell, you know position in a 299 clamshell world. It's a tough battle. Um, but again, I appreciate the effort and what they're doing. I love reading about it. I love looking at it. I love being a part of it because I just think that it's it's like organic was to me 40 years ago. It's opening up those doors. It's trying to get those conversations started. It's getting hung up on. It's getting you know not getting the shelf space that you need or the retail support that you need for the message and the narrative. So to me, it's kind of like the organic wild, wild west all over again. So it's fun for me to see it from my perspective because I've done it once and now I can kind of embrace it as it goes forward. So, you know, I think technology is definitely something we have to look at. There's so many cool things happening that are going to change the world. And I think we have to embrace it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I've seen more and more a lot of the um, vertical farming operations Mm -hmm. be, be talked about and covered and it's. It's very, it's an innovative field. So I don't know much it's about that. It's yeah, it's wild.
1: <laughs> you know, and, and, and people, you know, it's funny too, because and people don't realize that NASA was a huge part of this industry, right? They were trying to figure out, they've been trying to figure out for a long time how to grow food in space. And they're working on it now, how to grow food in deep space, because what are you going to, you can't haul all that stuff up there, right? You got to figure out right? how to do it. So, you know, those are the things, really cool things that are happening. And, and you know, and I look at the space, some of the things that really intrigued me, is not necessarily the, the clamshell that perhaps somebody's putting out. It's the patents that they've created. It's the ideas that they've created that come from this, that, that are working for the next generation. So I think about those kids in Germany that are that are working on ag technology, coming up with a growing system that's just a trip to, 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 um, to see. That's exciting to me, Yeah. right? That's exciting to me. It's like, how are we gonna pass the baton downstream? Uh, oh, look, I, I even came up with a water joke there. How are we gonna pass the baton downstream? <laughs> And help our planet succeed, right? right. And I think we, I think we lose sight of that sometimes. We you know we have, a, we have an obligation as global citizens here, of, and having this global community we all live in, to work to make the planet succeed. And then we don't do a really good job of that across this globe.
0: Yeah. You so you just once again referenced uh, a group you talked to through your podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm going to mm-hmm. pivot a little bit back to go ahead. Back to the podcast. <laughs> what has been something? Surprising to you that you've learned from guests? Is there has there been a pattern or or anything that's come up in these conversations? Because you're having some really in depth conversations with so many people. Um, um, is is there something surprising that has been kind of a common thread throughout? Or or
1: I give you I give you two things. First one, I love doing it. So, wh- however many consonants are up in my brain that combine together to come up with whatever's in my brain it is so much fun for me to talk to these people because I'm into it because I get into these topics and I love it. Right. And so I'm inspired by who they are. They've touched me in some way. I would say the thing that I have found, um, I think the thing that I have found the most common amongst everybody is that everybody wakes up every day trying to do good. And you know, the 90, there's, there's 90 plus percent of us out there every day trying to make a difference and do good. It's the other seven, three, nine, 10% that are yelling the loudest that diffuse the positivity that we have out there in the world. And I think that is that we need to work harder at stopping that. We need to work harder at uplifting the 90% and letting the 10% say what they want, be what they want, but not have a voice that is so destructive um, at the expense of, of the rest of us. And I think that the commonality of people trying to do good, again, about uplifting themselves, the brands, the ideas, whatever the case may be, is very, very powerful. Um, and there's some cool people doing some cool stuff. Again, I mean, we can get into all these different people that we've had on the show that are doing some right. amazing things. But I, I, I would say that to me is probably the most special moment that I've recognized is how powerful that 90% is, but then how loud that 10% has become.
0: Yeah, that's so true. There, there are such such great intentions out there, and we cannot, we can't lose those. We've got to hold on to it and and keep it going. <laughs> 100%
1: yeah, hundred percent agree with that.
0: yeah. So is there anything anything you you want the retail community or the grocery community to know any parting words um, you have yeah. for them?
1: Yeah, for sure. I, you know look, I, I, I think I think we I, I think we have to be very careful about making food cheap. And I think that that you know cheap has a hidden cost. And we need to be mindful of that. And, you know, I I work diligently to get the message out. One of the things I'm really passionate about is talking about school nutrition and getting the messages out around school nutrition and that there's people out there that are scratch cooking for kids and the results that we're seeing from positive eating experience at school. That's real. And, you know, food is medicine. And I think it's really, really important that um, we work hard at retail to uplift our brands that are making a difference out there, that we put energy in, you know, as much energy into being, um, the low price leader, whatever you want to call it into why people need to care about their food, why it matters that you eat an orange. You know, uh, I say this all the time. It's not so much the brand of the orange. It's really the conversation about eating the orange that we need to be mindful of, and we need to keep working on. So if there's anything I could say is let's keep this conversation going about the importance of helping ourselves through good food and through proper nutrition. And, you know, um, people aren't gonna respond to a bunch of negative messaging, right? It just doesn't work, you know? I mean, some of you can go back and look at these different campaigns, they just don't work, people just tune it out. And I think we need to come from a positive approach. I think we need to come from recognizing that we can make a difference and the retailers have an opportunity, again, with that that issue of intent that lies in everybody's heart in some way, somehow, they have an opportunity, I think, to up the game in conversation, whether they're embracing ag technology in that conversation, whether they are embracing organic, regenerative, you know, whatever, those opportunities lie there for the taking. And I think that the American public would be receptive to um, a positive experience in the grocery store uh, and feel uplifted in what they're doing and and guided by the retailers and what they're doing.
0: Well, thank you so much, Todd. This was so fun. I hope you liked being on the other side. I think you were a natural.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I enjoyed myself. Thank you for the opportunity. This is super, no, you you know, you're talking about subjects that matter, right? And I I love that. You're talking about, you're asking great questions that, hopefully you know as i do on my broadcast we inspire somebody to think something through right we challenge somebody a little bit you know and like i said i'm happy to take good emails and bad emails i'll answer every one of them but i want these (laughs) conversations i think it's so important that we put this stuff out there for people to digest they don't have to agree but the beauty of of having conversation is that maybe you give somebody a perspective that they didn't have before that they can reflect upon their own perspective maybe it changes them. maybe it doesn't maybe it leads them to something else i think it's just such a great way of communicating And we need to do more of it. So it's a, I'm honored to be here. I'm just super stoked to have the time to hang out with you.
0: Yes. So thank you so much, Todd. This was great. I learned a lot from you and I I'm excited to continue the conversation. So thank you so much. Anytime. That was Todd Linsky from TLC. And this is CGA radio. I'm your host, Grace Becker. Thank you again for joining us. See you next time.